I had the honor of speaking to Kenny Schachter today. A little bit about the Ralton Fighter uh, issue that had been brought up by Ryder Rips and Ralton himself. But we also talked about Paul Tech. We talked about auction houses, NFT, a variety of subjects. And here it is on the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. So um, I have the honor of Kenny Schachter joining me today. How are you doing today, Kenny? I am doing fabulous. A bit tired. Uh-huh. And uh, your Artnet article just came out. Did you read it? I did, yeah. Came out today, yep. Yes. So a lot's been going on also uh, on the podcast with uh, Ralton Fider and Ryder Rips and different characters in, involved in that scenario. Um, and uh, you came in and wrote an article for Artnet about the topic um, and touched upon a few other things. What's on your mind in relation to all of that? Well, that was two paragraphs in a 3,000 word right. article. So I'm just kind of focusing on that because that was, but you can focus on something else if you want. Well, I mean, I'm interested in the entire space and everything that goes on in it, because that reflects on, I mean, my main interests are making art, writing, and teaching. That's mm -hmm. really all I care about. I'm not a crusader, like writer Rips has been obsessed with this situation. I'm more of a casual observer than someone who's, who really, I mean, I don't have anything invested in it. And I don't really care in the big scheme of things. It's not something that's gonna remain in my consciousness from here forward. I wrote about it briefly, and I think it's funny in a way, and it's reflective of a lot of the stuff that goes on in the blockchain universe. So in that regard, I find it interesting and, you know, there are a lot of people that know more about it than me. Um, I didn't listen to any of uh, Rilton's uh, podcast with you. I mm -hmm. find it very disconcerting to listen to his voice scrambler, mm -hmm. which is very annoying. And I didn't, I read the short paragraph that Ryder Rips posted on his uh, Instagram, but I didn't even look at any of his conspiracy theories um, tracking all of these different situations. I did come across, I did see uh, the fake Simone de Puri account on Rarible, which I brought to the attention of Simone de Puri and he was none too pleased about it. And I did see many instances of situations where various accounts linked to Wilton Fighter bit up a lot of his own NFTs, your NFTs, an NFT you did that mm -hmm. sold for 20,000. I mean, every bidder, except for maybe the last one, was Wilton Fighter under different aliases. So, really, like, look, I have no, I don't, I, I have coffee with anybody any time of the week. I don't generally hold grudges, although mm -hmm. I do hold a few if someone wrongs me. I like to get even like any other human being. I'm not perfect. And look, I make a lot of mistakes in my life. I fuck up all the time, every day. I have a lot of failures on my record, but I'm also transparent. I'm also as honest as I could be. My 
track history of 30 years in the art world speaks for itself. I've been involved in digital art for 30 years. I've been involved in NFTs for almost a year, which in this sector is almost forever. So I don't, look, everyone should do what they want. Uh, there's a couple of NFTs of Wilton. I like Pest Supply. I thought that was really clever and funny. And I don't really like art that just, I mean, I have appropriated other artists' language to make art, Richard Prince, um, Ed Ruscha, but to make your whole body of work, 99% of your body of work based on the formal uh, compositions of other artists, for me, is just not wildly terribly interesting. Mm. I always believe in what Jasper John said, take something, do something to it, and then do something else to it. So when I appropriate other artists' work, I like to personalize it in some respect or do something to it to make it somehow. I didn't, I got into a huge fight with Ryder Rips when he um, just copied a CryptoPunk and was complaining about having that removed on OpenSea and claiming that as a piece of conceptual art, you can call it whatever you want, but I just don't find it terribly interesting. And then to take the visual language of Christopher Wool or Richard Prince and substitute it with, you know, various crypto slogans and slang, I don't find that very interesting either. So I did like the Banksy thing project because by Pest Supply, because I thought it was clever and funny and an interesting take that if you gave a fast glance you would assume that it was Banksy, but on closer inspection, it was it was something interesting and something different. And I particularly like the self-portraits that Wilton Fighter did. I thought those were very clever and conceptually sound and interesting. But you know, issuing coins of various names, Artorius coin, exotica, erotica, whatever the fuck you call it. I mean, that's all bullshit because these are empty coins that I don't see, I just don't, they're just shenanigans. And also bidding up your own artwork and creating fake journals and writing up your own work. And, you know, he just announced a table coffee top book from Pulpo Gallery. It looks like a pamphlet. It's got six pages in it. I mean, look, again, I, who am I? I'm not the police. I don't give a fuck about anything other than my family and my career and my students and right. my audience of readers. I write as honestly as, as I could. I don't, I'm not curing cancer. I don't take myself overly serious. I love to learn. I'm enjoying the space of blockchain and crypto and expanding my knowledge on a daily basis, which is why I lecture about it and teach it and write it is really so I can force myself to look harder and learn more about it. Right, what do you like about it? I like, non-hierarchical frameworks within which to function. I like, the, I like the accessibility that Instagram brought to the art world, whereas you used to have to be in either New York City or Cologne or London to have an art career. And Instagram enabled people from disparate geographical locations to communicate with people. I mean, I remember um, Brian Calvin wrote me a letter in the 90s, a heartfelt letter about how to get a foothold into the art market. I've said this a hundred times, but and I just wrote back, moved to New York. And I wasn't trying to be a dick about it, but that was really the only way. Otherwise you have to send a sheet of 21 inch square photographic slides. And that doesn't, that's not really a way to do work justice. Right. And although obviously 
uh, artwork transmitted on a phone screen is hardly ideal either. But I mean, I have discovered the works of multiple artists. For one, Eva Berison, who's a 66-year-old painter who's Hungarian based in Vienna. And her work transformed me by just looking at it. I got in touch, mm. got some works, very reasonably priced. And we've had a tremendous impact on each other's lives, having only met in May when we did a show together, our work mm. side by side. But what I love about, I mean, I like the, you know, look, it's such bullshit to say that NFTs and the whole crypto world is decentralized, has no gatekeepers. And, you know, I don't believe pure democracy functions. And that's why I quit off, um, what's it called? Clubhouse, because oh. I mean, I like talking with people like yourself, right? People that are, look, you can criticize me about anything. If I write anything factually incorrect, insincere, disingenuous, the reality testing feedback in this world we live in is instantaneous. If I say something uh, insensitive, narrow minded, short sighted, anything, I will here within us, if a comma is in the wrong place on a sentence, someone will take their digital red pen out and correct me in real time instantaneously. Right. However, I don't like to engage with people that accuse me of things and try to cancel me and call me out for things that I absolutely never did. And because of the nature of my writing, I've had people try to cancel me. I've had people call me racist. People accuse me of sexual misconduct that I've never met. People that try to threaten to kill me, people that throw punches at me, and people that threaten to sue me and threaten to kill me. So I've been through it all and I really couldn't care because like I said, I mean, what annoys me a little bit about the Rilton thing is to like tease, make believe he's Richard Prince. He's not Richard Prince. Make believe, say I met you in a restaurant three years ago and you did a favor. I mean, look, like I said, I live and die by my reputation and my work. And I understand the anonymity of the wallets and crypto and world and all. I understand. And most people in the art world like to remain very quiet and below the radar when they have big collections. Or, mm. But I mean, on a certain level, it annoys me because I just think I put my name on everything. Mm. You know? And I take responsibility for my acts, whether they're good or bad. Mm. If they're bad, I'm, I apologize. I try to correct myself and learn from my mistakes. Yeah. Why do you think that... Yeah. Why do you think that um, a lot of the major galleries haven't done much with the NFT world and it's most, mostly just the auction houses? That's a great question. I think that, I mean, look, galleries as we know them today have been around for not much more than, certainly not more than like 150 years or something like that. White walls, a generic, sterile, clinical environment. The, I've been a lawyer, I've worked on the floor of the stock exchange. I've been in the fashion business. You wouldn't know it by looking at me. The art world is by far, since I came from outside the art world, I studied philosophy and law. I never worked my way up through the system. And the reason that I like anarchistic thinking and I like you know, people that are provocative, not just for the sake of poking the bear, but people that have a point, nobody expresses an opinion about anything anymore. And that's also why like, you know, I appreciate a lot of, the content of pre posts of Artorius and all that stuff, but take responsibility behind your words. And I, the art world is the most backward looking, boring, conservative community of people that I've ever met in my entire life. And part of the reason I like 
NFTs is not, I'm not a zealot for, I love technology and I've employed it in my work since the early nineties in animations I've made. You've probably seen a bunch from the good I've old seen days. seen a few, yeah. But it's not even, I mean, the thing is I like forward thinking, I like innovation. Mm -hmm. I love to learn stuff. I don't want to see the same old spot painting number 2,475, but even Damien Hurst is, you know, doing interesting projects in his own way. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's questioning a lot of things that bring up pertinent issues today. Although aesthetically, I don't think much of them, but I just think the all world is stupidly conservative because people fear change. It's a human characteristic to be uncomfortable with something that's unfamiliar. So Pace Gallery, of course, Mark Limpshire is very bright and wacky and he's likes technology and he's really trying to, you know, in his unique way to push the envelope by doing super blue and, and taking yeah. on Earth Fisher's NFTs are fantastic. I don't love all his work, but from the visuals I've seen of the NFTs that he's recently released that will be uh, in a show in the Metasphere or something, Metaverse, mm -hmm. That Pace is launching a new NFT platform. That's fantastic. All gal I in two or three years, every fucking gallery in the world is going to have an NFT platform. Right. So but they're I kind of like, they're mm -hmm. kind of nervous about entering, or they're just waiting. Or... They're stupid, and they're conservative, and they're scared, and mm. they just want to like you know selling a paint. Nothing will ever replace since art came off the wall of a cave. It's been coveted, and nothing will replace that. But like I called up Gagosian and I said, let let me here's a show I just did in Cologne. It's a physical show, it's an NFT show, it's a digital show, it's got paintings in it, it's an installation, it's everything. And he just said, I don't have that kind of gallery to me. Mm. And I hear in the rumors, rumor sphere that he's contemplating some gallery foray into NFT. So I just think that, you know, Sotheby's and Christie's don't give a fuck about like uh, being erudite and this false disingenuous you know, pseudo intellectualism where they have to like have a righteous, you know, galleries control access to coveted artists, nothing else mm. these days. I mean, they don't nurture relationships. They don't really even have the best interests of the artists in mind. When a gallery has a hot artist that they represent, their main point of interest, which would never be expressed, is that they want to control as much as the art as possible to sell it. So if another gallery comes along that would present a great opportunity for an artist, the gallery that is their primary representatives in all case, generally speaking, the galleries will not even encourage the artist to undertake an opportunity because it's a zero sum game and the galleries would lose access, plain and simple. The auction houses don't give a crap about anything other than making money. I mean, right now they're both private companies. Sotheby's recently, until recently was public, but the auction houses, it's shocking. 275 year old companies have been by far the most nimble, resilient, flexible and innovative because they just don't care. They're looking for new profit streams and they appreciate, they encourage innovation because they're just looking to the bottom line. A lot of the stuff you see in NFT land that makes shit loads of money, a lot of it is crap, but you know what? That's just a lot of stuff you see at the next freeze art fair is crap too. And there will be masterpieces that will be revered for eternity in, digital, in NFTs and digital art. There are already, if you look hard enough. Mm. Um, I saw your uh, self-portrait bust the other day. It's a bit like a big bronze. Yeah, I really like that. Oh, thank you very much. It's monumental, is it? Or well, was the photo just kind of making it look monumental? Uh, I'm not going to say. 
Okay. <laughs> well, whatever it is, I got I got the idea. I mean, I made them, and I like the fact that it's like it's not grandiose. It's me with a load of bird shit on my head right. because I accept that I'm a, you know, look, I'm a person that's made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I'm always like I said. I mean, I'm learning all the time, and I really love to learn, and I love to meet interesting people and new people and new ideas and. I love, I mean, I have people that teach me in the crypto space, an engineer from Google who lives in Singapore, a few digital artists, early adapters. And, and I just, I'm like a kid. I just suck it all in. I, I love it. So mm -hmm. in the end, you can form me, write me off, say that I have a big mouth or I'm a negative person or I'm a too judgmental, but I love art. And really all I care about is art whatever form it takes. But when it comes to the machinations of the art world, and in all my, I have not written one article about an auction or an art fair in the last, I've written my seventh feature on NFTs. I don't want to write about auctions and art fairs for the rest of my life. I'm not a mm. financial writer. I like to make art that's inspired by things because I've never come from within the confines of the art world, traditional art world. I'll always consider myself an out, outsider despite the fact that I've done projects with great galleries, museums, and been right. published by MIT or whatever, I, right. you know, that's a great, um, I'm proud of that because I, I never studied art, the first mm -hmm. art class I ever took, I was teaching. And at the same time, that's why I feel like, look, I'm old, I've been doing this for 33 years. And if, I, if something crosses my mind or I have an opinion, I, I express mm -hmm. it, it's fun. It's well, you're, you're it, it, you seem to be, um... You seem to be aging well, anyways. Bless you. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm happy in my skin for the first time in my whole life. You have all your teeth. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, okay. I'm well, it, it looks teeth, like you have, have all, all your teeth. Ones. Thankfully, <laughs> I Why would I get fake ones when yeah. no one can even see it anyway? So, as yeah, long as exactly. I eat my food, I don't really give a shit. Right. Um, so, yeah, I saw some of your art and it was really interesting. I enjoyed it. I've seen a bit of it over the years and uh, I've seen some of your animations that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I have a tendency to be interested in the art. So if people are making art, it's interesting to me and I, I check it out. Right, like even if Rilton Fighter was grinding accounts and playing games and manipulating tokens, mm -hmm. and even if he was the biggest criminal since fill in the blank, I still wouldn't care. I like the portraits he made. They're right. Cool. Well, that's what I was going to say. I like, I like, uh, that's what I was going to say. I like, uh, I like Ralton Fighter's work. Yeah. Some like, I don't think it sucks. No, it doesn't suck. But like, just, you know, taking a Christopher Wool script and writing, get the fuck out of my face if you don't buy it, ETH. I don't think that's very interesting. And I don't think that has resonance. Right. But the portrait is a different, a new portrait. So that's good. That's Are you talking mind. about the text portraits? The portrait with someone's name and a wallet address. I think right. that's cool. that's a, a a contemporary portrait that is doesn't. It's not an appropriation, even though I, I I'm happy. I like I like like an assisted ready made was Duchamp's way of taking something and doing a little bit of something to it, drawing a mustache on a copy of the Mona Lisa, or he had ready mades and there's assisted ready-mades, which is taking an existing object and doing a little bit of something to it. And I like assisted appropriation art where you take something which is a trope and then you 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 twist it a little, make it malleable. But so I think that the portraits, 
that we're referring to with a name, someone's name and a wallet number, that's, that's, that's something entirely um, unconventional in relationship to previous works and that I like. I don't care if you're a criminal or not, if you made a good piece of art, I can well appreciate so it. So you keep bringing up criminal. Are, you're suggesting well, Ralton Fighter is a criminal? No, but I mean, look, if he's spending all his time, you know, shilling coins that don't have any functionality, he's no different from the ICO boom in 2017. I mean, he said, if people are gonna, you know, be silly enough to buy stuff that has no value or no content, or, you know, it's a free world. But if you're surreptitiously, you know, creating a false demand or creating the impression of, of a, I sell art. I never ask how much I made. I don't even care how much it sells for. I don't care who buys it. I never look at any. Anytime I find out about anything I've ever done, I mean, someone from this amazing smart contract company called uh, Manifold, they had a software that scrapes information and told me how much art I sold on Nifty Gateway, and I was flabbergasted. I had no idea. I don't look at the accounts of who, I just don't. I mean, honestly, I wish I cared more about money because I'd have more of it. Mm. I don't look at who my collectors are. Some guy calls me and said, one of your pieces isn't doing well. I'm like, I make art. I don't make markets. I don't, I'm sorry. I can't help you. Right. You know, I'm not IBM making like chips or whatever it is. So, you know, I don't know if, I, I don't, maybe Rulton's broken the law. Maybe he hasn't. If Maybe it's legal to, you know, hide behind anonymous accounts and bid up your and your friend's work. You know, I don't mm. know that. According to Ryder, according to Ryder, it's not legal to do so. Right. I am. I'm, I. I can't say I'm not a lawyer because I am, but I'm the worst lawyer that ever. Oh. I'm the worst art dealer that ever tried to sell a piece of art. I'm right. the worst lawyer that ever graduated law school and took the oh. bar exam. I do not know, but I don't see like for me what I'm saying is if someone doesn't want to buy my art, they don't buy it. I'm not going to go to the effort to manipulate the perception of demand and of a market. I think if you go to the effort to create a false sense of the existing reality, why not just throw your shit out into the market? And if you do well, great. If you don't, then pick up the pieces and move on. But why do you have to go through the effort of having a hundred different wallet addresses and you know engineering your, your the perception of success rather than just letting the market decide, letting people decide? And on the subject of his identity, did anybody ever figure out who it is actually? No, I have to say the best piece of art the dude has ever made or woman, but I, I get the punch it's a man because of his various comments about some of his uh, proclivities. But uh, the best thing he's ever done is to, I mean, there's no privacy today. When everybody complains, oh, there's no privacy on the internet and my apps are eaves, my phone's eavesdropping on me, Siri is a spy and, you know, all of this stuff. We pull our pants down on the internet every day. Uh, what's his, David Geffen gets in trouble because he posts on Instagram. I'm having, I'm having a tough time in quarantine on Larry Ellison's $600 million boat that I bought. And I hope you guys are doing it, you know, getting, I mean, keep that shit to yourself if that's how you feel on your um, boat, Dad. It's very tone deaf. So I just, in this day and age where everything we do is pretty much known or will, the fact that he's created this veil of secrecy that hasn't been uh, breached, that's, that's pretty amazing in this day and age. When, you know, so hats off to him for that. That's pretty funny. Not only mm. that, but he's got like five fake identities and no one's, 
he just managed to just continue to keep the roost going. That that and the portraits for me is the best contribution he's made. But then to go around and talking, but then he writes a letter on his Instagram. Oh, God made these decisions. And I mean, shut the fuck up with this whole God and that kind of disingenuous and, you know, gobbledygook and syrupy kind of, that seems to be misleading to constantly play the, I had this, I nearly died. I'm so old. What is he, 120 fucking years old? I'm so old. I'm not going to make it past the day. Oh, come on. Give me a break. You don't even have closing at 76 years old, moaning about his age. He's killing it. He's playing tennis. He's got a new girlfriend and he's one of the greatest art dealers in the history of all time. He's not moping around. So when you like, when you, you know, this kind of like feigned empathy that you're trying to get from people or, you know, I don't, that I don't buy that. I can right. go around telling you how horrid my life was. I was an alienated, stuttering. The reason I don't shut the fuck up is because I couldn't even say a sentence in public until I was 14. I stuttered. Right. Big deal. I had a tough childhood. My mother died when I was very young. My father was trying to get me to quit art and was the most unsupportive human being as one could. But you know what? That yeah. makes me who I am today. And I'm very, I have, all I have is passion more than intelligence and energy to tell my story. Right. As long as someone listen, I'll keep mouthing off about right. it. So, you know, God bless everybody. I really don't care. Right. I mean, I feel like you're more popular than you kind of put out there that you're constantly talking about how you're kind of, why would, you know, why should people attack me here or attack me there? I guess you do get some of that. Someone called me racist on Telegram in conjunction with this Wilton fighter story. They did what? Call me a racist, said I'm a racist. Why would you be a racist? I'm a lot of things. I have oh. a big mouth, I'm narcissistic, right. I have low self-esteem. My kid just told me the other day when I posted some embarrassing thing in my story, he said that I'm, not, I'm, I'm a narcissist with low self-esteem. So I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a racist. Some people troll me all the time. Right. This one called, you know, blah, it doesn't, I'm not complaining. I think generally speaking, the tales are tipped that more people appreciate my voice than, than try to quiet me and quell me. A narcissist with low self-esteem, that sounds perfect for an I'm artist. I'm an oxymoron. I'm always right. like self-sabotaging, self-negating, my own mm. worst, me, super self-critical. I'm not curing cancer. I understand, I have mm -hmm. fun. I, I'm like, I'm reliving the childhood in the last 30 years. I think art, Namjoon Paik said he became an artist so he could sleep late. I'm living my life, I mean, doing the things that I love. And that's a gift. And right. I would do it for free. And more often than not, by default, I end up doing it for free. Mm -hmm. And if I've ever sold one, I've sold five, 600 NFTs altogether, not for much money, but I can't even, I, I can't even believe that I have the opportunity to do something like that. Mm. I'm so happy and lucky for that. And late in life, like I'm teaching kids about technology and NFTs at my age in my, let's say, very late 50s. The fact that I could like know things that, you know, kids should be telling me about, because I love to learn and I invest the ridiculous, you know, I write an article and I make a lot of jokes and people, that takes me like 30 hours of work that I get paid 10 cents an hour. But it makes me, it, it, a brain is a muscle and I'm gonna exercise mine until I can't. Mm -hmm. And hopefully when I'm 80, I won't be moaning and groaning about my age because I'll still be able to think. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some sculpture that you've done. Um, 
are you are you doing more sculpture or are you doing I just made like again like this is my idea of an appropriation uh Jeff Koons like got a I broke the story that he got a government loan funny because the two richest artists in the world Koons got a five million dollar loan to support his studio when he's one of the richest living artists and Damien Hirst got an even bigger one for 15 million pounds that's kind of gross if you ask me yeah that was strange you mean like a pandemic loan it's and I have because I've been like in the past my mo for writing was like trying to uncover all of who's zooming who and in the back, who's buying art, who's fucking people over, who's taking advantage. And anyway, uh, people were calling me up and telling me, people that worked in Jeff Koons' studio, telling me they hadn't gotten a raise in five years and he treated them like shit. And I just think like, I hate arrogance. And, you know, I'm just like, I accept people on for, in all walks of life. Everyone has something, a contribution to make. Everyone has a value. And I just, the fact that we live among such prejudice and society and hatred. Like I'm not a hateful person. I'm a very sensitive person and I deeply care about my family and art, period. I may come across as glib and flippant, but I'm just really, really not. So anyway, I took, I, I hate Jeff Koons's gazing ball paintings where he just gets his assistants to make uh, copies of old masters and puts a mirror ball. So I made, I, I fabricated a mirror, a gazing ball and turned it into a ball and chain. Like his workers were indentured servants, you know, enslaved to the master, churning out his works that sell for millions, making like piddling amounts of money because he treats, he's very subjugating in relationship to his own staff. So that was a piece I made, which I really liked. <laughs> I mean, it's when I make a piece of art, sometimes, I mean, the way, the way that, I mean, the Supreme Court said they couldn't define pornography back to sex, but they know it when they see it. Mm. And even comes to my own art like you know i everyone is a walking bell's curve of quality and you know and i feel the same way about myself some art i make i'm like wow i would i want this in my house like the ball and chain i was so happy to get it back from an exhibition it was loaned to because i just i like that i think it's funny and i made like a selfie man sculpture other things i made like you know the bust i made that was really just sort of off spill from a music video I recently made, uh, Money, 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 about how everyone's always blown, NFTs suck. I got into a huge fight with this glass artist, Eli Hansen, who's the stepbrother of Oscar Tuazan. And I actually owned one of his pieces I bought for $10,000. And, and he said, NFTs are just money and it's all a scam. And yeah. even though I write, I'm critical about some NFT stuff in my article today, but at the same time, I fucking love it. It's the greatest invention. It's absolutely rocked the entire state art world from the makers to mm. the market. It, it's a 24 seven market. You could dip in and dip out. You could mint your own shit on OpenSea or Mintbase. And look, of course, it's not easy to make money from it. Nothing ever is, nor should it be. It mm. was for a little while when the market was on fire. But the fact is that you have to do the same hustle and self-promotion as you do in fine art as you do in NFTs. And I love the fact that I have had, because I like gave a lecture at School of Visual Arts, I just basically uncovered all of my research that I had done to date and spilled it out in minute detail with slide presentation, SVA put it online. And I've had a hundred plus people every, almost every day where they say, thank you, you've encouraged me to just do it. 
And that makes my hair stand up on my arm and makes my life, sounds corny, sounds full of shit, but like if I can encourage someone to do well, a lot of them have done a fuck of a lot better than me. That is very rewarding to me. If I can help my children, I believe, you know, that's a gift. If I can help any artist to make money and to dip into the marketplace and get a foothold, that's something that you can never reduce to like a money, profit or anything. That's just, that's something really cool. And I, that's, that's the greatest part of what I love the most about teaching and why I'll never quit teaching because it keeps me studying and keeps me on my toes. And I really love that. Mm -hmm. So that head sculpture that you mentioned, I mean, I only liked it till like the bird shit fell on the head. Really, it came from just getting my head scanned to make uh, this music video piece. But then uh, I remember once, like people kept saying to me, I got into this fight with Eli Hansen, and then he was saying things about my family, hateful things. And he's saying NFT is money, NFT is a currency. It's just money, 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 money. And the fact is, if you wanna make money in, in, in crypto, you don't buy NFTs by emerging artists, you buy fucking, you just keep your ETH and wait for a better day when the market rebounds, which I believe it inevitably will because it's the most you know, far along crypto that has the most functionality. And it's the only real way to spend your crypto spoils is through, mm. Tezos is interesting, Hickentung, mm. whatever it's called. That's a great way for artists you know, at lower price levels. And if something better comes along, I can't wait for Instagram to be replaced and mm. Zuckerberg lose his stranglehold on creativity and fascistic censorship and commercial control and contrivance. I hate all that stuff. And that's why I like crypto and NFTs because I feel it's just a whole, I just love the fact that it creates opportunities more than it takes it away. And so I, you had said something about the art fair era being over in relation to crypto art. Do you still think that, that maybe that was a, a lockdown statement? No, look, I don't think art fairs will, I love art fairs. I love auctions and I'm so thrilled that, I think it's wicked cool that Sotheby's and Christie's are like, I sound like not the brightest fellow with my <laughs> vocabulary right now, but I just think Sotheby's and Christie's, I live to see that kind of reaction, that kind of activity in the marketplace, because you could say whatever you want about it, but they're taking the lead in a very progressive, open-minded, way and they're really pushing the business along. Art fairs will be here for as long as paintings will. Uh, nothing is better than going to Basel Art Fair and you know kicking the tires and seeing. So when I lived in London for 15 years, I not only loved art fairs, I depended on them to see art. It would take, I timed it once to go to one gallery in the East End of London from where I lived in West London, took two hours and 45 minutes door to door. And then you get to the gallery and there's like a garbage bag in the corner. Mm. Although I have shown garbage bags in the corner myself, actually. But like, you know, auctions and art fairs are the most, you know, time uh, rational ways to see as much art as you can. It's not the ideal way to see art. Nothing will ever replace a one person show or a museum, but art fairs have a tremendous role. People are very pressed for time. And in this world of foreshortened attention span, art fairs are great. Will we ever get to the, the, the point where we were in 2020, just before lockdown or 2019, when there was you know, 50 art fairs, ancillary fairs, breeding like fishes off a whale? Hopefully that's gonna stop because that's just overkill too much and it was really sucking away the audience from galleries and galleries need support galleries have a, a 
a hapless job. Artists are always leapfrogging over one for the other, looking for more opportunities for themselves. So look, I would love to go to Basel in September, but I'm, I question whether or not it's even, it's, it's gonna be in a very hobbled state because COVID, I mean, people are just so mental after all we've been through and running around and going to nightclubs 24 hours a day, the second they lift the veil on, you know, lockdown in the UK and such stupid behavior. People don't take caution, precautions to protect themselves and, and their communities of people by exposing other people. So mm -hmm. stupid and tragic. But anyway, art fairs have a role and nothing, no, I mean, look, I make digital videos. So, you know, seeing it on a big screen is the physical, that's the most physical you'll get with a digital, a work that was created for digital um, context. But when it comes to sculpture and painting and, you know, nothing will ever replace standing in front of a work physically. It's a physical experience and that, that completes the equation of an artist needs an audience, can't just live in the forest with a masterpiece, you know? So I love the community. I think Twitter and Instagram, like talking to you right now, that creates a community, even though it's digital. Mm -hmm. We're talking, we're gonna share this information with other people. So I've met, I mean, if it wasn't for Instagram, I'd be recluse. I mm -hmm. mean, I would, I would have no friends. <laughs> Sad in mm -hmm. this day, but I've met so many extraordinary people. I ended up at Richard Prince's studio in upstate New York or met the most extraordinary people from all walks of life, all economic strata. And I've learned from all of them. And that's what I think art is a celebration of ideas. I'm trying to say that without my Long Island mm -hmm. accent, making it incomprehensible. Art mm -hmm. is a celebration of life and it's a means of communication and it's a way to give form to thoughts and impressions and ideas. I was just reading this incredible review that Jerry Saltz wrote about Cezanne drawing show at the Museum of Modern Art. I mean, he's like a shepherd walking us through this stuff, which is just pure unbridled raw experience with, mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing. And for that, I'll always be grateful and I will never dismiss anyone. And I wouldn't dismiss Wilton from making a great artwork again, like mm -hmm. portraits. I want my portrait. I doubt he'll give it to me now. <laughs> but if he would, I would gladly accept it and I would proudly display it. I think it's a really right. cool. I saw an outdoor version of your self-portrait bust installed somewhere. It, I have a, I have, I never, I, I made two small ones. One is wearing, I, one is wearing cockeyed glasses and that's in oh, a group room. Right, that's if, in, in that's New York. In, yeah, at Philosophy at Gallery. Philosophy Arts, yeah. Yes, and, and the other one, I haven't even gotten my, I was gonna make it for an NFT show at Super Chief Gallery, but once, once, the paint was applied and the bird shit, I just fell in, I, I like it because it just makes me look like mm -hmm. the idiot I am, you know, just like a, look, I make fun of myself and I'm self-deprecating. I guess in the same, I can't accuse Rulton of doing it because I I do it, I play it up right. too. Sympathy right. for people, but I just think it's funny. I don't want to make myself like Jeff Koons made this famous bust with Chicholina and there's quartzes coming out of it and he's painting himself in this heroic, grandiose, you know, powerful, photoshopped his dick in the sex paintings right. and all this. I'd rather just paint myself as a failure. And then I have self-belief. I've accomplished things in my life that I'm very proud of, you know, with my writing and my teaching. That right. gives me 
great joy to the fact that anyone wants to read slog through 3000 words I've written about anything. And the fact that I could make it amusing or, you know, add comedy to it or look, I'm mm. very grateful. I, I think, I don't think I'm an idiot, but right. you know, that's just- Well, you know, um, you know that I, aside from being a painter, I also play the saxophone. I know mm. you knew that. Really cool. I didn't know that. But one of my- Adam Lindemann plays the banjo. Oh, we should put a band together. It would be cool. <laughs> um, but what I was what I was gonna say is one of my uh, uh, friends, who's a great saxophone player, um, said uh, this gentleman named Bob Mover, who used to play with Chet Baker. Wow. He was saying um, one of the things about music that's or art, if you're making a painting or you're playing music, is is that don't be afraid to show some vulnerability. And I think that relates to you. That's a brilliant point. That's a brilliant point. I just, whenever something good happens, the hair stands up. <laughs> but that's, the, that's what it's all about. I lived my life as a miserable, lonely child, cutting up magazine pages. My parents, okay. a cork wall in my room. And I'm not trying to drum it up and tear jerk, but like I was alone and cutting up pictures and putting them on my bulletin board. And that's what I do now in a certain sense. But right. like when my kids, when I post stuff or make art and my kids look at me, like turn their heads side, like, oh dad, again, how could you? But like, if you don't expose yourself to humiliation, to humiliation, you're not pushing. I mean, like Jerry, who I really deeply, and he annoys me and, but he's brilliant. And he's, he's changed the definition of how an art critic can communicate to a broad, I'm not a populist. I write for like, Mechanics Monthly. My work is for people that are interested and know something about art. Otherwise, you're going to, especially now, I've turned off half my audience by writing about crypto for the past six months. But Jerry found a way, the broadest audience base in the history of art writing, that's profound. That is so cool. And he makes an ass of himself. He apologizes. He mm. said, art criticism is more important than art. It's like, hello. When you're alone and you're like looking in the mirror saying i just wrote the best article and then you come out with something like that it's absurd right. and it's like and that's what i love about social media because you'll find out all too swiftly how you just put your foot so far down your throat it may never come right. out but if you don't take risks and i just love taking like creative and intellectual risks i never studied art i never studied art history any of it and the fact that i can have a work in a gallery or in an nft I can't believe it. I pinch myself. I'm like, that's so cool. Mm. And I really believe that you could pull yourself up by the bootstraps, by passion and determination is all you need. My dad used to say, even though he was not terribly nice, he would say, don't lie to yourself, which was a great belief. Don't believe your own lies, right. which many people do in our world. And they create these self-mythologizing, you know, stories about themselves and then fall for it. And, you know, and he just said, look, you're not going to be the smartest person. There'll always be someone smarter, but you could work harder. And like, I love art so much. It's not work for me spending my entire weekend for 10 hours, 12 hours without even getting up from a laptop typing. Mm. That's for me, it's like sculpting words into these mm. paragraphs. When I see them take form, it's like chiseling away or painting something. Mm -hmm. I love it. It gives me great, deep, personal self-actualization self-actualization i had a question for you um is it 
is it Paul Tech or Paul Thet? How do you okay. say it? Tech. Paul Tech? I thought it was Tech. I just, I don't like pronouncing people's names. It's really names. funny because he made these pieces technological reliquaries in the 60s, which was fake meat entombed in a, in a you know, in a, in a right. minimalist stream. And his name is Tech. And right. we're still talking about him. And I've been a zealot for his work. He, he was the closest person that ever depicted the line between life and death, the vulnerability. We're all vulnerable. If you cut anyone mm. in half, black, white, Chinese, African, it's all the same crap inside your skin, the same organs, the same blood, the same. And Paul Tech really gave concreteness. He materialized that fine line between living and dying. I think that's one of my favorite things about you is you championing his work because I'm a huge fan of his work and I have noticed that you've been involved with his work. I mean, I've been involved for as long as I, you know, since when I first saw the piece, I was frozen in my tracks and I just, I mean, I literally have cried. It sounds so stupid, but I've cried. I sold the piece to someone because I was desperate for money and they, there was a painting that was really dirty. It had the World Trade Centers with two hot potatoes falling down on either side eerie it was so efficient mm. and he just hated what the tower stood for living in a tenement like in the he died destitute my two the two artists that i deeply cared about the most vito Acconci and paul tech everyone they were like you know lifestyles of the poor and famous mm. they died destitute and people think that art is money nfts are money nothing to do with it being too far ahead of the time is worse than being behind the time how did you encounter tech's work at first I'm in a museum. And then and tell me more about how you found more of it or. I just, I went crazy because I just couldn't believe what was in front of my eyes. And then I just begged, borrowed and stole to accumulate. Mm. And there was no market when I first got involved. You could buy his greatest masterpiece for, you know, between 10 and $25,000. And it was, he, when he died, there was one museum in America that owned a drawing. He lived in Europe when there was no social media, so he was absolutely cut off from the art market. He had fame early on in the 60s. He showed with Pace in 1964, and he showed these meat pieces called Technological Reliquaries. And it, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I curated an exhibition of Paul Tech in London in 2013 or 11 or whatever it was, 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a full circle. And I collected the work. I had to unfortunately sell the most significant pieces I have when I was needed the money. But I, they went to a museum, Harold Falkenberg, one piece, Paul Tech's record at his death was like $30,000. And I was able, during the show at Pace, I curated, sell a piece to a museum for over a million dollars. And that was extraordinary. And, you know, I just wish, number one, he could have communicated his, his artistic practice. He was, he deeply uh, believed in his own sort of personalized, version of Catholicism and the rituals and the Judeo-Christian work ethic. And so he constantly, every day he made art, every day. I mean, I just read in Jerry's article on Cezanne that for 50 years, he made nearly a drawing a day, you know, like the people thing. You can't dismiss people for the, his, for the work he's done, even yeah. though some of it was of questionable moral taste. And Paul Tech, he like, he made 34 meat sculptures and then he heard someone call him the meat man and then he never made another meat mm. piece again. Damien mm -hmm. Hurst would hear himself being Andrew, called the line one. Andrew, mm -hmm. line one. 
Andrew in aisle one, there's a sale <laughs> in the meat section of your grocery freezer. <laughs> uh, you know, so I just, I look, Vito Conchi always shifted. He was, he had this deep curiosity. Whenever he had success, he got bored. Paul Tech made the meat sculptures and they were widely uh, accepted. And he had a degree of notoriety in the 60s. And then he moved to Europe and did installations and paintings and, you know, other things. Art doesn't, you don't get affirmed or rewarded in our narrow-minded, myopic, money-obsessed art world by doing new stuff and pushing yourself. If mm. something succeeds, everyone wants one of those. Mm. They want to have the same thing. So their friends immediately recognize the language. A success affirms success, and then everything comes out of the woodwork. And mm. some of my favorite artists are the ones that in, in most people's sense of success, they were the least successful. Intellectually or conceptually, they mm. changed art history for me. So you mentioned people. Um, what do you think about people's work? How do, what do you feel about it? I mean, it? when you say things like art history is stupid, you're stupid. That's just so dumb. And, you know, the aesthetic is not for me. It's that kind of, you know, laddish, like as they would say in the UK, like it's not my aesthetic. And I, and when you hear him, like one of the most shambolic things I ever heard was everyone should listen to it just till your mouth will drop in like dismay. But people having a discussion with Jordan Wolfson. Jordan Wolfson, who I know, super intelligent person. There's a great documentary about him that I may have been in <laughs> to toot my own horn, but he's a brilliant guy. There's no question about it. But to listen to the two of them have a discussion in, in David Werner's podcast with Lucas Werner, I mean, it's sad. What did he say that, that kind of- every, every word out of his mouth, the way that, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's not terribly hopeful about art and life. It's very, just the, I don't know how to, it just depressed me. Mm. I don't know, I just found it stupid. I'll have to and listen I, to that. Yeah, just because when you hear these two people at the pinnacle of success, as people have come to respect it in society at large, I just found it a little bit sad and disappointing because there was no art. There was, it wasn't about art. It mm -hmm. wasn't about passion, it was about, you know, what'd you do with your money and you should use my fabricator. And, what, know, about and then, the, what about the, what about this thing like I'm a dumb fucking, I mean, just, I don't know. I find it mm. very, I don't find it very, there's not a lot of depth and feeling to it. To what he's saying. Yeah, and a lot of his pieces with this kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but very kind of, there's good childish and good bad art and there's shitty bad art. And I just find, you know, some of it is interesting, the political satire, but some of it I just find to be, you know, too kind of like too drunk, what do you call it? Like in a, in a, in college, what are those, sorority or- Ah, uh, frat boy. Frat, frat boy humor and you know- right. I like ideas. I like people that try to push how we think and feel about each other and how we relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Not just like Shrek with a boner or whatever the hell he does, that kind of stuff. <laughs> That might be a good piece. It, no, maybe. you know, I just that's kind of that's the kind of you know, and then you have sixteen beers and you all get a good right. laugh. They have Shrek with the bonus, six million dollars, right. fabulous. World's right. better. I'm not like again. I know I'm not curing cancer, but I love to inspire people and to give people hope that art could positively change their life. NFTs could help them monetize mm -hmm. 
hard labor over years, and I don't begrudge anyone for anything. All right. As long as you're not hurting anyone, everyone should mm. do what they want. And okay, well, I'll just ask you one more thing because we've been going for a while now. Um, Thank you very much for listening to me. I oh, I'm it. totally honored that you would join and express your thoughts. I appreciate what you do. You thank you. Taken from nothing and created something in the landscape. Trying to. Um, so um, the physical art, like for example, if you sell something for twenty million dollars as an NFT, it, does that translate to a physical piece of art? Like again, like I'm old and I'm a prude. So I've been making digital art, like even when I was making videos in the 90s, I only ever collected like three, I have like thousands of crap, talk about people crap. My art collection, I used to joke that it was a day sale collection, but now most of it isn't even an online collection. It's whatever, it's stuff that touched me. It's not terribly right. valuable. But if you go to my house, it's wallpapered in art. And every day of my life that I am in the vicinity of a piece of art, I will go right up to it, touch it where I'm not supposed, I love doing things I'm not supposed to, going into rooms I'm not supposed to, sticking my nose where it doesn't belong, whether it's in my writing and uncovering these kinds of relationships that happen and deals and, un you know, I just, I'm just very curious in, mm -hmm. a, in a naughty little way. But uh, I love drawings. I started my art exposure and taught myself through prints and drawings. So, because they were cheap. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when everyone moans and groans, art is expensive. What a crock of shit. Go to a degree show. Go on Instagram. You can buy masterpieces for $300. And there's this amazing mm -hmm. program in the UK, uh, the Pledge, Artist Pledge, where you spend 200 or 150 pounds and you get great art. And then if the artist sells five, they have to buy something. Ruff, ruff. Mm -hmm. uh, even the dog is getting bored telling me to show <laughs> But anyway, uh, so like, yeah, so I am s flooded by art, but until they have more dedicated hardware, I think art alone on a computer phone or TV, I'm not, I'm old, I'm old. So younger people, it used to be you wanted to own a car. A, a car was a symbol of mobility, freedom, and it was this sexy, seductive object. I love objects and people will always, I was having a conversation, I drove two and a half hours for a meeting with a blockchain entrepreneur and a crypto and the kid was like we're gonna make a hologram digital thing and you can't just like crypto punks or you could they're so simple you could just easily replicate them i'm like mm. all of my art is free but people will always love to own stuff mm. so again like until i bought one of these stupid little infinity objects displays for one of my nfts but it doesn't have sound and it's tiny and it's primitive I think in the coming years, some of the most, the greatest innovations will be in the dedicated display of digital art. And physical art is life. And it mm. course through my circulatory system. But when it comes to making art, I consider myself a digital 2D and video maker. That's how I most readily ex express myself. <clears throat> that should be the good, but anyway, so like, I think digital NFT art should always there should always be nothing will ever replace i bought a garbage can the first thing i ever bought like on amazon and it came to the house and it was like a thimble it was two inches big and i couldn't fit more than one crumpled piece of paper in it because you don't think about looking at the size of a garbage can and also you have to look at something before you buy it unless art was made to be on a screen 
Mm. Unless you're a veteran or a professional, you should never buy art unless you see it, right. unless you're locked in your house or whatever. So I think it's really cool when there's hybrid digital physical manifestations. Like I've taken my digital art and made sculpture out of it. Someone called me up and said, oh, I wanna buy that painting. I'm like, it's not a painting, it's a photo collage. So then right. I just dial into China and get a painting made for $15 and then it's a painting. And right. then I'm a painter. But I, I, can't, I never, you know, so I love physical stuff that makes me think. Right. And that transforms my everyday existence. Art reduces your blood pressure, which obviously right. I see like I could use some now. Right. So well, I, I enjoy your thought. I enjoy your thoughtfulness and your sophistication about everything. And um, I think we're better off with it in this art world, whatever art world that is. That touches me because really all we have is communication and expression. And if I was right. insincere or disingenuous, you would know it in a second. Right. I'm not. Okay. I, I care. And if anyone hears this, they can contact me on DM and I will answer every DM that comes into my box right. swiftly and with, with forethought. So right. anyone should always ever, you want to criticize me, criticize me. I am happy to learn. Well, thanks. It's been an honor having you on. And uh, I think it was important that we spoke today on top of being an honor. And um, I, I look forward. You. Thanks. You're, you're very kind. I look forward to talking to you again and everybody read Kenny's article on Artnet. And if you don't want to pay Artnet, I'm going to post it for free in my, my right. website, kennyshachter.art. Right, right. Of, don't tell uh, Artnet, I just said that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thanks again for joining me. Thank you and, very much. And um, I'll speak to you shortly. I appreciate it. Thank Take you very care. much. Bye-bye. Okay.